All right, well, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2019. It's been a great start. I hope you've had a great start to the new year. We are in a new series called Rend the Heavens. And this series is really the four pillars of Vertical Church, who we are as a church. And the motivation and really the theme and the heartbeat behind this whole series is from Isaiah 64.1. Isaiah 64.1 is, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. And the idea behind this verse is, we have this barrier between us and God, and the solution, the answer that we need is for God to tear that open, to come into our lives, to manifest his presence, that the mountains might quake. And mountains are really anything in your life that represents just an immovable object, something that you can't seem to change, you can't get victory over, and you have no answers for it. God is the answer. So last week, as we started this series, we looked at our very first pillar. The first pillar of our church is to lift high the name of Jesus in worship. And we were in John 4, where we saw that true worshipers must worship God in spirit and in truth, because that is who our God is. And we saw that worship motivates everything. It's, the, it's where it all begins and where it all starts. So if we're going to do anything at Vertical Church, we're going to lift high the name of Jesus in worship. Today we're going to look at our second pillar. And this is the pillar of preaching. This is what we believe about as far as what a sermon should look like. Um, we believe that a pre a preaching a sermon is proclaiming with authority the word of God, proclaiming that without apology. And if you want to go ahead and take your Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4 as we proclaim the authority of God's word. So here's what's unique about the message today. The sermon is a sermon on sermons, Right? And uh, if you're, hopefully you're tracking with me on that. Um, and a lot of you in here will never be preaching a sermon. Most of you aren't called to preach. We have a couple very good, solid preachers in our midst already. But does this really relate with everyone? And as you're turning there to 2 Timothy 4, towards the back of your Bible, we looked at Philippians for 11 weeks. And when Paul wrote Philippians, he was under house arrest. He was in Rome, but he had a really good chance. He, he had bright hopes that he would be set free and he'd be, he'd be good to go later on. Which, and he was, of course, chained, a Praetorian guard. There was all that going on. It wasn't ideal, but he could still have visitors. He could still, you know, write letters, do all this good stuff. When we're in 2 Timothy, this is actually Paul's final piece of scripture that he wrote. This is the last letter that he wrote, and he's writing a passionate an urgent, a really a heartfelt personal message to Timothy, who is the pastor at Ephesus. And he's saying things like, hey, Timothy, fan the flame of the ministry that's in you. Don't let that go out. Just, just, just stay on fire for God. He's saying, hey, bring the parchments, bring the scripture, bring some of my long-lost friends that I haven't seen in years, like John Mark. He's saying all these things. He's saying that I have kept the faith, I've finished my course. He's literally at the end of his life. So we're getting a really behind-the-curtain, inside peek at Paul and his protege, Timothy. And these are the last words he leaves with Timothy. But why this is so relevant, why this is so awesome that you and I get to see this, even if you're a preacher or not, I mean, maybe you've heard this passage before, but I, I was thinking about it, the only time you would have ever heard this passage preached, probably, 
is either like in seminary or in like a pastor's conference. <laughs> so that's not a lot of you here. But the reason we're bringing this today is because you need to know what you're looking for. And if I'm going to preach a message, not only do I need to clearly proclaim the truth, but it needs to be applicable to you. In 2 Timothy 3.16, the verse right before chapter 4, says that all scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. All scripture is profitable. I don't care if you're a plumber or a day trader, if you're a single mom or a student, you need to know what you are looking for in a sermon. It's vital that you know that, and it's very applicable that you know that. So let's look at the text. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1, and I'm going to read it for you. And please follow along with me. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So the point of this text, really, is to proclaim the authority of God's word without apology. That's the main thing that Paul is telling Timothy. Hey, Timothy, you can't miss this. You've got to do this. But for us, there's a couple very, very important things that you can't miss. How do you relate to it? And the first one is found in verse 3. It is to demand sound preaching. That's the first thing you must do. Do you see that there in verse 3? Verse 3 says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate teachers that will suit their own passions. We see here that people naturally have a tendency to drift and to walk away from hearing what they need to hear. Now, if you're going to say, well, no, that's not me, David. I always want to listen to God's word. I want to always want to hear God's word. Great, that's wonderful. But here, the text is actually saying something different. And I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to me too. It's saying that we have something called the flesh. Even people that show up on church on Sunday morning to a worship service, we have this natural tendency to steer away from what we need to hear and to listen to something that we want to hear and that we will enjoy hearing. So we can't just put this on these future bad people. Okay, this isn't the future bad people. This is for us. And uh, since this is a sermon on sermons, I may as well just tell you a secret of mine. One of the things they teach you when you're preaching a sermon is to find something called the FCF, the fallen condition focus. Every passage has this. Every passage shows something where we're off, where we don't think right, where we will make a mistake. It's because of our fallen condition. The FCF of this passage, just to just let you know all my secrets, is right here. It's we all have this tendency to back off from what we know we need to hear and to listen to something that sounds good. Itching ears is for all of us. It's me included. And we have to be aware of that, and we have to demand sound preaching. 
We can't pretend that we won't make this mistake because we will make this mistake. So as we go through this, I want to show you my applications. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because I've been like chewing on this all week. But there are going to be applications in here that I'll just like make an observation of. And I really want to focus on your applications, though, because you can't fall into line like the rest of the lemmings out there that just look for something that sounds good. You can't make that mistake. You have to listen to the word. You have to demand that the preacher preach the word. Now, thankfully, Paul gives us some specifics on what you should be looking for. When we say demand that I preach the word, demand that the preacher preach the word, what exactly does that look like? Because if you follow this train of thought, we're already conditioned to listen to things and want to hear things that we like. Maybe it's something that we've grown up with. Maybe it's something that we're familiar with. Maybe it's something that just sounds good to us. So how do we really, really, really know what we should be looking for? Well, Paul elaborates on this. Uh, Look at verse 2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. We'll just start with the word preach. Okay, the word preach is the Greek word keruso. And it literally means, this word literally means to herald with gravity. Okay, we don't have this anymore. Uh, we don't have a, a king necessarily that has little messengers out there that are proclaiming his message, heralding truth. We just have a direct line to the president through Twitter, right? I mean, he, he heralds everything he wants to herald to us through his Twitter feed. But in ancient days you would have somebody who would get out there on the street and they would say, hey, listen up. This is a message from the king. You have to hear this. You have to know this is important for you right now. That's heralding the message. That's the word keruso. That's what a preacher should do. Am I heralding my word, my opinions, my ideas? No, of course not. Preach the word, the truth from God's word. So that's, that's a big check mark. yes. There's a pastor named David Martin Lloyd-Jones. I read a lot of his books. You'll probably hear me quote him from time to time. Um, he's, he's dead. He's no longer alive. But he was an amazing pastor over in Wales and over in London, England, in the, in the 50s and 60s of the 19th century, 18th, or 20th century, excuse me. He said that the whole business of preaching is to bring men and women face-to-face with the living God. That's what, we're, that's, what, that's what I'm here to do. I hope that's what you're here to listen to. You want to have an encounter with God through the sermon. Sermon isn't a creative license to move you to a deeper reality. It's not an art form just to impress you or motivate you or inspire you. No, the sermon is opening up God's word and showing you in a proclaiming fashion what that truth is and how it has bearing on your life. That's what you need to be looking for. God's word is sufficient. There's, there's, there's gravity here in portraying and giving you God's word that keeps me up on Saturday nights. I have a big responsibility to do that. And you need to demand that I preach God's word. The second thing you see there is be ready in season and out of season. All right? Be ready in season and out of season. There's going to be times when it's easy to hear. There's going to be times when it's hard to hear this. And here's a good reminder for, for all of us, though. Don't be apologetic about God's word. Are you listening to this? Because this is really for you. Don't be ashamed of what the Bible says. I'm here to preach the word. And now as this gets personal for you, 
you cannot shy away from God's word. And that means all of it, okay? Are there any part, portions of God's word? Are there any parts or pieces or passages that you just tend to avoid because you don't really understand them? Or you don't really want to understand them? As you think about that, I want you to think of it in the sense of, are there areas that I just don't seem to think fit 21st century American culture? Are there areas that are in Scripture or passages that are in Scripture that don't really fit what my family has taught me, the values that I've learned from my family? See, the Bible is God's truth revealed to you, and we have nothing to be ashamed of. We can't misunderstand this word unapologetic because in our culture today, almost unapologetic can, can come across as like being violent and just pounding somebody over the head if they don't agree with you. That's not unapologetic. Being unapologetic just means I believe the Bible, I have confidence in the Bible, I have faith in the Bible, and I'm proud of it. I have nothing to be ashamed of. It's, it's what I'm basing my life off of. That needs to be all of us. See, we really have nothing to fear when it comes to God's word. No one's ever going to disprove the Bible. That's never happened, and that's never going to happen. And the Bible doesn't contradicts science. It doesn't, it doesn't do all the things that a lot of times our culture says it does. The Bible affirms women more than any other source throughout history. The Bible is the motivating factor that caused slavery to be abolished in, in London and in, 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 the, in Great Britain and in the United States. See, the Bible is truth. It's revealed truth. And if we want to apologize for Scripture, if there's something that we don't understand about Scripture and we have a problem with Scripture... There's a couple things going on. Either our thinking isn't right and we need to realign it to Scripture, or we don't understand the context, or maybe we are just missing the context, or maybe the context is completely lost to us, but do you get my point? Context, context, context. If you understand what God's Word is actually saying, there is literally nothing to be ashamed of. And I hear stories all the time of Christians and Christian parents who are backpedaling on what the Bible clearly teaches, okay? A parent who backpedals on, on what the Bible says about same-sex attraction, and they're backpedaling on that because maybe their own child is struggling with that. Or maybe it's a single person, and they're, they're backpedaling on what the Bible says about sex and, and purity, Maybe it's a, it's a young man who's, who's backpedaling on what the Bible says about, about gossip, about, about how he should live his life. There's all kinds of avenues where we can say, hey, I love the Bible, that sounds great to me. And you would never say this, but you're avoiding this one particular area because it doesn't quite line up with you. And thankfully, there's more in this second half of verse 2 that even gives us some more specifics about what really proclaiming with authority God's word actually looks like. So your part is demand sound preaching. Want some more specifics on what that looks like? Well, second half of verse 2. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So now Paul is really giving you so much on what you should be looking for when it comes to preaching. Okay? So if you look at this, repute, reprove, this is really correcting someone. 
So biblical preaching that is going to actually proclaim the word of God to you should say, this is what you need to do, and this is what you don't need to do. And then rebuke is a little different. It kind of sounds similar, but this has the idea of, no, cut that out. You have to stop doing this. I told you what you need to do, and now let me remind you, stop doing that. Like, that's rebuking. Okay, another piece here, exhorting. Now, this is like coming alongside somebody, put your arm around their shoulder. Hey, it's all right. We can do this. You, you can do this through the Holy Spirit's strength. Like, let me pray for you about this. It's encouragement piece that you should have in biblical preaching. And then with complete patience, okay? So come here. Let's go over this again. Let's, 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 let's just go over it again. It's okay. You messed up. You know what? I did too. Let's go over it again. All those elements need to be in the preaching of God's word. So husbands out there, let, let, me, let me reprove, uh, start loving your wife, start leading your wife, uh, pray for her, pray with her, do all those things that you should be doing. Uh, and also, hey, let's, let's rebuke, okay? All right. Now, stop focusing so much on your hobby that you never give her any time. Help her clean up the house, right? Like, let's knock that out and let's do this. Exhort. It's like, look, you can do this. I know you can. I see, I see some improvement. That's great. Let's keep it up. Let's do it again and again and again with complete patience. That is preaching. That's what you need to be looking for from the pulpit. All right? Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. You may wonder why I always remind you, like every week, True joy and true peace comes from a relationship with your Heavenly Father. It's because we need to hear it again and again, right? Because we always have this tendency to wander off and forget that. You may wonder why every week we're talking about God's grace and how he's given us something that we don't deserve. It's because we need to hear it again and again and again because we're prone to forget that. We need to hear that. You need to hear that. Demand that kind of preaching because that's what you need. Point two, let's look at verses four and five again. Point two is listen to the truth. All right, so you're demanding sound preaching. That's what you got to do. And number two, you need to listen to the truth. Look at verse four. And we'll turn away from the listening to the truth and wander off into myths as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. All right, so I should always be sober-minded. That doesn't mean I can't joke around and have fun. That just means I hold with gravity my calling to open up God's word and deliver you an accurate message from God's word. You know, when I say what you should be doing, one of the things I should be doing is not worrying about what you think. It really doesn't matter ultimately what you think. What matters is what God thinks and what he says. So my main concern, and this is watershed really, is to accurately give you God's message. That's why I said the point of this text is to proclaim the authority of God's word without apology. I better be doing that. I better be doing that. For, for, for you, you need to listen to that and you need to respond to that. You need to expect that and demand that. But are there any areas of your life where you are looking for answers 
apart from Scripture? We're talking about here listening for the truth. And are there any areas where you're looking for answers apart from Scripture? Are you drifting away because you are struggling with something and you don't understand something? Are there any parts of the Bible that you tend to shy away from? I, I asked that question earlier. Are there any parts of the Bible that you tend to shy away from, right? Now, this question is a little bit different because I'm asking you, are you looking for answers from somewhere, somewhere else, some other source? See, if we're ignoring portions of the Bible, we're going to get answers somewhere, right? Are you with me on that? You're going to find an answer somewhere, someplace. So where do people go for those kind of answers? Well, for one, uh, they can go to a university and find the answers. They can go to talk shows, podcasts, books. I mean, an NBC drama. I don't know, like a documentary on Netflix about a comedian. We get our answers, we get our thoughts on life all over the place. We really do. But we need to get our truth from God's word. So the question is, have you elevated one of those sources above scripture? We, we don't normally think of it that way. But if you are actually ignoring what the scripture says about an area and you're listening to what your mother says about that, or your classmate at school says about that, or what your feelings say about that. Now, it kind of may sound like I'm joking here. I'm not really joking because we do this all the time, right? We listen to these other sources instead of going to the truth source. So don't turn to the wisdom of this age. Don't make that mistake, because that's a really, really bad play. It leads in the wrong direction. See, if we're following just the ebb and the flow of this culture, there's a lot of different things going on, right? Because you're getting all kinds of information from those talk shows, from those podcasts, from those books that you read. It's all over the map. So there's some truth in there. There's some not truth in there, right? Science changes all the time. I mean, we can't really firmly decide whether or not Pluto is a planet or not. Um, that's not. That's not a reliable truth source. And our culture is, our culture changes on stuff all the time. I don't know if you've noticed this, but just take the issue of pornography. All right, like 15 years ago, when I'm dealing with that in my mind, I, I had my youth pastor in my ear about it, and I had my parents in my ear about it. Nowadays, I, and it felt like no one else was against pornography. Everybody else was, was looking at it. Now, our culture has changed to the point where that's not very popular anymore, and we're starting to see the devastating, addicting pieces of, of what that brings into your life. So you don't see as much of that, and it's not as popular. But, you know, not to say that our society is turning into some puritanical, you know, moralistic world. Of course not. There's five other issues now that are just as worse, just as bad, if not worse. So we can't follow culture. We can't follow all these other truth sources. We need the truth source. Find your answers and your convictions from God's word. At Vertical Church, we believe that if we preach the word, if we, and we believe that God's word has the answer for every one of our problems, if you believe that you can truly 
have the relationship and have the life that you're meant to have, not by following everything else under the sun, but by demanding sound preaching and by listening to the truth. You can go the places that God wants you to go. You really can. And my goal when I preach isn't for you to walk away thinking, wow, that sounded great. Wow, the music was wonderful. Wow, that was so interesting. That's not the goal. The goal is for you to look at God's word, for the Holy Spirit to convict you and to stir your heart and your passions, and for you to walk out of here saying, wow, God is great. It's amazing what he's done for me. I can't believe I saw that in his word. And if you get that hunger and that, and that taste of the Holy Spirit working in your life through the word of God, you're going to go out of here and you're going to read more of the Bible. And you're going to live off of that. And it's going to change the way you think. We're going to proclaim the authority of God's word without apology. I don't have any right to tell you how you should live your life. I just don't. I, I don't know all the trials and the things that you're going through. No one really does, right? Not one person could ever do that. How do I have the authority to get up here and say what I'm saying? It's because I'm just a mouthpiece for God's revealed truth. That's what you need to look for in preaching. And then you need to take that next step and say, all right, I'm going to not only demand that, but I'm going to listen to that truth. I'm going to make it a part of my life. Let's all stand up. We're going to praise God. We're going to worship God right now. He is holy. He is completely unlike us. Let's thank him for that and praise him for who he is.